Good Friday was cool. I I did a little small service for like 20 people at this little mission parish and then the Spanish one in the evening and the Spanish one was was profound. I, I noticed that in the right, I was reading the right earlier in the day to get ready and it says, you know, when the priest, the priest is supposed to be the one that first reverences the crucifix um, during the veneration of the cross and it says in the rubrics, the priest, if appropriate, removes his chasuble and his shoes. His shoes, yeah. yeah. Do you guys know that? We just learned it in yeah. our liturgy class. I made yeah. the priest that I emceed for do it. Well, I pointed out. I didn't did. do it at the first one in the evening, but then at the, at the Spanish one, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. So I took my chasuble off, gave it to the deacon. Then I took my shoes off. Then I kneeled like five feet away from the cross and walked on my knees to it and kissed it. And then I noticed like at least five people they came up without their shoes on. <laughs> Dude, the Hispanic, at least what I've seen with the Hispanics, especially in terms of piety or like devotion. They will not be outdone. They will one-up each other to no Big end. Time. <laughs> Six signs of crosses. My shoes are in my hands up here. Right. See, they're not on my feet. But that's such a profound thing. It was very that's- profound. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Um, I actually had a pretty cool grace and I'm still trying to flesh out from Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me think a lot of it while you were talking about your Holy Thursday. Um, so what I tried to do during the Holy week was, uh, and especially in conversations with my spiritual director, he always says like, I have a lot of Peter tendencies, a lot of St. Peter tendencies within myself that you do Yeah, that I do. And to be honest, a lot of times when I pray in scripture, I look at, I just like feel, um, that St. Peter and I we would kind of make the same mistakes or have the same desires. And I, in a lot of Lexio, I find myself in the place of Peter looking on different situations and things like that. So during Holy Week, I, I was doing Lexio with the different gospels that we were going through. And I hadn't really planned on it necessarily, but I think it was the reading on Tuesday was when, I think it's actually Tuesday and Wednesday, is when Mary comes in and washes the feet of Jesus and pours that nard all over him and I, I, we've actually talked about that when peeper you, you gave the peeper description of festivity but i found myself in my holy hour in the place of peter watching mary pour this nard all over jesus huh. all over his feet and the feeling that i had was like really kind of shock and awe that mary is doing this and like wow this is actually really beautiful and i'm really excited about it and kind of being upset at Judas for making his, like, dumb, stupid remark about, like, hey, we could have sold that. I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah. we could have sold that. And you're like, Judas, you idiot. <laughs> no, man, this is money right now. Like, Mary's crushing you even it. You get think, this? Think of how many camels we could have bought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Judas. <laughs> we all know it's you, man. <laughs> Which and is another thing. In the readings. I like in John, it's, it's like, so he stole clear. from the money bags anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's so like he didn't the, even care about the poor. I need to figure it out because it seems so obvious that if you read the gospel, it's like the person who Jesus dipped his hand or dipped in the bowl with. Yeah, and you're like uh, Judas and Jesus, like they're dipping in the exact same yeah. time, guys. <laughs> right. Pay attention. Hello. 
But all that being said, so I, I have that's this... one. By the way, that's one of the evidences that that the gospels are reliable is how it doesn't make the apostles out to be very sharp or oh, pious people. Yeah, which is another reason I relate to Peter, by the way. But so the feeling that I have is like Judas, you're dumb. Mary, this is amazingly beautiful. Like this is awesome because uh, Peter has his, he has his deep love for Jesus. Like he just wants to do anything for him. So mm-hmm. it was also feeling like. I wish that I was the one that was doing that. Like mm-hmm. being very happy that Jesus is getting this, but almost a sense of not jealousy. Towards uh, Mary, I wish but, I'd thought of the Nard thing. Yeah, that's what uh. it is of like, man, I want to be the one. And I was just at the Nard store. <laughs> and now she's going to be remembered for all times whenever the gospels are proclaimed. And like, like how am I going to be remembered for all times? <laughs> Which is another thing the apostles always do. They're always yeah. like, hey, number one here. What's up, Jesus? I am your number one go-to guy. You know, if you need anything, please trust me. Yeah. So, and so it kind of developed into this thing where, so what I did is I read through the rest of the gospels throughout Holy Week from, and I found myself in the perspective of Peter, just kind of going through each of them. But what really struck me was thinking about that gospel passage and Peter's desire to, well, my desire in the form of Peter, in persona Peter, uh, <laughs> to wash Jesus' feet and give him all of these things, but then to go to Holy Thursday and to see his reaction when Jesus gets down and washes his feet, and him being like, no, 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 no. Right. No, this is not how this happens. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to do this to you. Mm-hmm. This is not, you're not going to get down and wash my feet. Like, I love you, man. And you're going to go to the bottom, my to my soul, to the soul mm-hmm. of my feet, to the bottom of you know, to show where I've been, that's, you know, the feet, it has the dirt of where you've been and where you've traveled and the places you've come from. Like, it's almost the story of your life. It's where you've been the past week and you're going to go there. But like, n- I'm the one who's supposed to go and pour all these beautiful things on you and lavish you with these beautiful gifts. And so, and it totally made sense, his reaction to like, oh, you're not going to do that. And then Jesus demands, and then he goes, oh, well, you're going to wash all of me then. Like that's <laughs> yeah, so, right. that's, It's like, so unless I wash your feet, you can't have an inheritance. Well, then uh, let me just, let's just do the whole thing. You wash and my like, head and my hands. And yeah. Even that I 100% relate to is that it is that desire to like, all right, I don't get this. You know, I don't totally understand what you're trying to tell He's me. He's like, I don't understand all that's going on, but I want to go all out. Yeah. I just want everything that's going to happen. You know, I don't want to have just a little bit of it. I want my full body covered or none of it covered. I'm like, I'm going to wash you. Oh no, you're going to wash me. Okay, fine. Then really wash me completely mm-hmm. all over head to toe. And it's like, I don't really understand what's going on necessarily, but I just know that I want, I want to be a part of it. And I know that that's something that, I mean, that's the exact struggle that I find myself in is this beautiful, great desire. Yeah. That I want to give everything to Jesus and want to receive everything from Jesus. But I'm really like, I'm not super great at it. You know, it's like this little kid who is trying to, you know, please his friend or please his big brother. You know, that's definitely a big perspective from my my life is I love my big brother very much. And so I could, I can see myself running around as a little kid, like wanting to please my little brother and wanting to do everything for him, you know? And I could see Peter in that same exact situation of like, oh, wait, you want me to go over here? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> running over there. Like, oh yeah, you want me to go out and spread the gospel? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. For I'm sure, I'm here. down. Yeah. 
It so, reminds me of. Go ahead. You have it. Well, it's just. It was really beautiful to see that um, Peter's such an idiot, but he's tr- <laughs> like he really has a beautiful desire there. Yeah. And it's, and then to I mean, there's much more to it that like, and especially the scene from the Passion when he makes a huge. I mean, obviously he denies Christ three times. Yeah, that was another thing. Was that so? It goes from this beautiful desire to wash Jesus's feet. And then to be washed by Jesus, to receive the God of the universe, which Jesus, with Peter professed, was that you're my Lord and my God. To whom else should we go? And then you say, I'm going to give you everything. And then you deny him Just three totally times. totally blow it. Or was it two times before the cock crows? Three, three times. times. Three times before the cock, cock crows twice or something mm-hmm. like that. And then, so to just see how Peter is just he's a mess dude he's this whirlwind mm-hmm. of confusion and chaos but, but jesus loves the passion this fervor of it. yeah and he loves it and and that's what it came down to is ultimately it's not about peter is the example of it's not about you mm-hmm. it's about jesus called you and you know it's not about saying, your plans yeah what's the saying yeah. is jesus doesn't call the equipped he equips the called or something like that and the only thing Peter's saving grace he could have been another Judas right Peter's saving grace is running back like a psycho yeah to ask for forgiveness yeah. and right. that's that I'm, because like right he's on the boat he, he tells all guys all the guys like okay guys I'm going fishing I don't know what the deal is but Jesus came back he's risen I don't know what we're supposed to do so <laughs> what do we do I know how to fish let's go fishing and he sees him on the shore and he's like Ah! <laughs> he just Good jumps in Lord. the water yeah. and runs at, and swims after him. Oh, that's such a that's such a great gospel passage. Like when he jumps in the water and no one else does. Yeah. I'm sure. Can you imagine? Like, And then they bring like, in oh. this huge catch <laughs> yeah. of fish. I love that scene because they bring the whole catch of fish in on the boat. Like they take their time and actually bring in all the fish that Jesus told them to catch. And then Peter is the one that drags him to Jesus and, and is like, hey, check it out. Yeah, Look at the fish. The same thing. <laughs> Look what we I did. I mean, us. It was kind of us together, but mostly me. Did you see? <laughs> What's cool, though, even like you keep going at the very end of John's gospel. It's one of my favorite like gospel passages in the in the whole Bible. And the when they're walking then, like after they have breakfast on the beach there, and like Peter inquires, Jesus makes some reference that like John isn't going to be martyred or something like that after telling Peter that he will die a death that he does not choose. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even after all of this, Peter's back to kind of his old ways. And he's like, wait a second. Like, what about this guy? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about this guy. But what's cool about it is I had a, yeah, that, that scene in particular has been like both in the place of John and in the place of Peter has been very cool in my prayer life because it's just like Jesus loving like everything about peter like in this moment and it's just like the simplest of answers and he's like you follow me Mm -hmm. like what will become of him like i know but that's his story but peter you follow me and that's all peter has to know and Mm -hmm. then like then you start reading like after pentecost and the acts of the apostles and how he becomes the leader of the catholic church like the the rock that christ founded the catholic church on to where now we today can go to St. Peter's Basilica in Rome and see his bones under the high altar of the Catholic Church. Um, Even just studying for my, my comps, I, I read some... Uh, I was reading John Paul II's uh, proclamation of when he made St. Teresa Doctor of the Church. And 
and the document itself is beautiful about St. Therese, but at the end, John Paul II, and it was the first time I've ever really noticed this, that John Paul II signed the thing as, um, you know, John Paul II under the fisherman's ring or something like that, that, that it was the, is the ring of St. Peter that represents his office as the successor of Peter, but it's the fisherman's ring. And for some reason, when I read that, it was just very, it took me to, you know, this, the shore of the Sea of Galilee, that this guy is called by Jesus. And he has no idea who Jesus is at the time. He's just a fisherman. Yeah. And that he gets taken by him and he follows him. And all of this crazy stuff happens to him, for better or for worse, you know? Sometimes he's on fire. He's like, yeah, you're the Messiah. He's like, nice. I'm going to build a church on you. And then five seconds later, he's saying, get behind me, Satan. Then he's denying him. Then he's on the beach again in Galilee, and he's saying, feed my sheep. And and then he's in Rome getting crucified upside down. And now there's a ring that is signed, like proclamations from the highest authority on earth, the Pope, that's the fisherman's ring. I mean, it, it mm. it's such a cool story that no one could have made this up. Yeah. Only God could have chosen the fisherman. We even We talked a little bit about last time but i don't think we actually recorded it about like how they were kind of a b team in yeah. general right oh yeah where it's like the the whole idea that like because they were all all the apostles would have been jewish at the time and so whatever um like schools they would have went through like mary as a child would have had i think like the whole scriptures memorized like you did that in school. even women i think so i think like to a certain point mm-hmm. anyway but she would have been like mary would have been steeped in Right. Um, the the scriptures like, um, to where we couldn't like comprehend like how much they would know right. anyway from this culture, and but then like as time progressed like as and then as men got older like into their teens and things like that, you would and I don't remember their names but there was like different schools that only the best of the best would get selected and so it was this continuing like weed out process to the point that I think it was like. 17 or 18 somewhere roughly in there maybe age a little wise. bit younger age wise that if they were like the best of the best at the last school a rabbi would tell them come follow me and uh like in the tradition it would say that you would be covered in the dust of your rabbi because you would walk so closely to him that the dust kicked up from his sandals would cover you and so that's like Every but that was the highest like honor you could receive as a young Jewish man at that time, and so does that mean you that means you would be a rabbi one day? You would be a rabbi one day because mm-hmm. you would study under that rabbi, and eventually, I think like at a I mean a long time. I think Jew, Jesus was a very young rabbi mm-hmm. um, at thirty or whatever he was when he started, and. Um, and so, but that was like the highest honor that a family could receive if one of your sons got chosen to be a rabbi. So that's why, like, when James and John hear that from a rabbi, Jesus, and he says, Come follow me, they drop their nets and they leave their father immediately. And, like, when I heard this story, the, <clears throat> the guy telling it was like, it, That wouldn't have been a thing where they, like, just ran away from their father and he was like, What's going on? This is ridiculous. Like, their father would have gone home. It would have been legible night. to him. Right. And and he would have been, like, he would have gone home to his wife and said, like, you won't believe what happened to the boys today. Like, they got chosen by a rabbi. 
But the fact of like the ages when they were all picked is these guys had not made the cut like to even get into these higher. They schools. already had other jobs. They are because they already had other jobs. None of them were like in these schools. So the fact that G, like Peter was a fisherman, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a you know, just he's a nobody, right? And then yeah, like that's a beautiful thing to think about. Like under the fisherman's ring, yeah, is what the Pope still signs his name. Oh, that's so money under, even in even in like Saint Peter's Basilica. As you walk in, there's um, they look really small, but I think they're like eight feet tall, and it's all in Latin. But it's this gold strip, and it's all these words. Like as you walk down, and so when the Pope processes in, um, when we got the tour one time, I was there, and it's every word in the Gospel that Christ spoke to Peter. Wow! Because the Pope is supposed to, when he processes in to say Mass at the high altar. He's supposed to be able to look up and and call to mind the responsibility placed on his shoulders. Wow. Jeez. Wow. So that's that's a story you can't make up. No, you cannot. And it's it's cool, like even talking about this, like that like the you know, specific things like we can still go and see in Rome. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like um you know, our Holy Father still signs his name under the authority of Saint Peter. Mm-hmm. Um because I, I had this a couple times during Holy Week at, at like the washing of the feet and um, I don't know, just a couple of times and kind of articulated it maybe even a little bit this week. But it just, you know, kind of a new called to mind. It was like, man, would I like, would I have liked this Jesus guy? Mm-hmm. Like if I was, you know, if he came like in the flesh in front of me today, like he walked the earth 2000 years ago. Would I be down for this? Like, if he mm-hmm. said, "Come follow me," like, would I? Would I do it? Because, like, we talk about a lot. Um, you know, it's like it turns the world on its head in so many ways. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't always make perfect sense to us. Um, and then, you know, you get, I get, I get at least a lot of questions from people, especially um, usually non-Catholics, but they think the church is like exuberance or things like that with these um, like grand basilicas and, you know, like celibate priests and things like that. Um, But I guess like that experience of going to, like we can still go see the bones of St. Peter and like we can go into St. Peter's Basilica and see those words that Christ spoke to Peter that like our Holy Father can, can look down, can look up at now and realize the responsibility placed on his shoulders. And, uh, I don't know. It's it's just been a it's been a very cool grace, and it's kind of like relating to Peter in this aspect of like, Lord, I don't have anywhere else to go. Like you've given like us the church as this incredible gift and written the story that we couldn't dream of, um, and we just get to plumb the depths like for our entire lives, and uh, so it's kind of like this on Easter especially. It's just that was kind of my prayer of like you know Jesus, I'm your guy. And like Peter, like I can screw up continually. Um, but that's what it comes down to. Like it makes it through the church. He's still incarnate and like he's living in, in our lives, but it's awesome. Dogs go to heaven. Goats go to hell. It's beautiful stuff. I remember on Easter Sunday morning, I, I did the early mass at 8 a.m. and had processed out and was standing outside of church just waiting for people to come out and out comes 
this little boy holding his mom's hand and he's walking by and I said, you know, hello and shook his mom's hand, but he's, he's kind of getting dragged away and he had a little blue car in his hand, you know, like the one toy he'd brought to church that he was playing with and it was, you know, this car, maybe like five, six inches long and had a little like orange cannon on the top and he stopped and he, he let go of his mom and he came back to me and he held this car up in front of me and I thought he just wanted to show it to me. So I kind of held it and he let go and I'm holding it and I'm like, Oh, cool car, you know? And I was kind of handing it back and he didn't extend his hand out. And I was like, is this for me? And he goes, yeah. I was like, are you sure? He's like, yes. <laughs> so just to make sure I goes, I go, do you want me to have this? And he's like, yes. I was like, thank you. And it's just this little car, you know, but to him, it was all he had to give. And he had walked by me and here I am in my fancy lily white Easter robes, you know, the, the chasuble and everything. And I don't know what I look like to this kid. He's probably five, six years old, but you think he's walking by Jesus Christ. He's walking by God himself who is just up there in front of everybody and everybody's paying attention and, you know, receiving reverently this bread, which he gives out. And he's like, here, here is what I have, this car that's yours. And to see that spontaneous generosity out of a little kid, you know, it, it, it harkens back to the, the seashore, you know, that these guys here come follow me and they say, yeah, I'll drop my nets and go. And that, that spontaneous generosity that I think only, only God can, can demand it and only God can attract that kind of alacrity where where we would be willing there's just a sense there that like what i have is nothing i I just want to give that back whatever i have Mm -hmm. to this person because he loves me and wherever he takes me is an adventure you know um but it's a it's particularly apparent in children where and i'm dude anything that i'm going to save from what people handed me on easter morning like candy and whatever money i'm going to save that little car yeah because that is a reminder to me of what you know what you stand for for people you know that they would just give it's like the widow's might you know in the Mm -hmm. temple and jesus sees her put it in and says she gave more than everybody else you know this little kid gave me his car that is pretty cool well that's actually father boyle that's his measure of love, that's how he says, is your spontaneous reaction in charity. He said, if you ever notice yourself spontaneously reacting charitably, you know that you're growing in love. Because that's something that, like what you're saying, is that that's something that only the Lord can call forward from you. And to how much you are um, accepting that and participating in that. And that, yeah, you have to work towards it, like living the virtuous life. There's going to be a period where you kind of have to force yourself to make this act of love. But when you really are loving this person, it just spontaneously pours forth. Like this kid, this is a, a supernatural love. It's just like, here, here, take this, take the car. Or one thing, and this is to bring it back to Peter, that it all, it always cracks me up that uh, Easter Sunday account when, you know, the women come back, Mary Magdalene comes back and says that Jesus is risen from the tomb. You know, the tomb's empty. And 
Peter just takes off, dude. <laughs> like, like, are you serious? Yeah. He's the first one. It says he's the first one to leave, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's not the first one <laughs> to get there. <laughs> uh, John beats him, right? John yeah. is the one who beats yeah. him into the tomb. Yeah. But, like, you can see Peter just taking off because he doesn't know how to pace himself. Like, right. Oh, I got to get there now. <laughs> <laughs> just sprinting out the door. like. <laughs> it's a spontaneous action of love Mm -hmm. and he it's just total abandonment man and uh i it's just so beautiful it's something that the lord calls forth in him um you know and and this is even tradition holds that peter is crucified upside down but peter was on his way fleeing from being crucified Mm -hmm. and jesus actually had to appear to him and say no where are you going? You need to go back and, and you need to accept this. You need to be crucified. So the guy who tries to jump ship yeah. at the last minute there, but also holds that, and I heard this in our spiritual theology class from Father Fuller, super beautiful, but that Peter, it was said that he had like crevices in his face from all the times that he would talk about Jesus. He would be basically perpetually crying mm-hmm. because he missed his good friend so much that the, his tears were like rivers on his face and they kind of formed like a little creek within the indentations of his of his face because he he loved Jesus so much. But this guy who's on both ends of the spectrum, right. like you blew it big time here <laughs> so many times, dude. And yet we can go into Rome and see letters of the God man who spoke to you that are the letters are bigger than I am and Mm -hmm. I'm six foot three and these are wrapped around a giant church that's built over your body. Mm -hmm. You're that same guy who tried to jump ship. Even when the Lord told you, this is what you were called to who denied him, who, well, this is why Peter in his letter says, he's the one that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He knows. He he knows more than anyone else. (laughs) It was just recently in the readings because I read it today in my holy hour, the whole, it's Acts of the Apostles, but it's Peter and John get to the temple, and mm-hmm. they see the the man, you know, asking for alms, and he just looks, It's one of, that's also one of my, my favorite scenes from the whole Bible, but he just looks at the guy, and he's like, I, I have no silver or gold to give you, but the line that really stuck out to me today was like, I will give you what I have. Yeah. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And mm-hmm. the guy leaps up from his mat. And like, you know, rejoices in in God. But that that's kind of like even Peter's story, like all of the like the riches that we have from this man, like I'm gonna give what I have. And it's very in a sense, like it's childlike in the good sense. Like I think of even my nephew uh John, who's like he's three and he's just like he goes crazy a hundred percent until he crashes like <laughs> at night. That's yeah. all he does. And it's kind of even that little boy that gave you his car. That was a really powerful image for me because that's kind of how John is. It's like, you know, he loves his uncles, like my mm-hmm. brother and I. And if like we ask him for something, it just like it doesn't matter. Like it's ours, right? You know, and it's everything. I remember like he, I had a hole in my sock. I was at my sister's over Christmas break, I think, and he saw it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't like that I had a hole in my sock. And he came up to me and he like pointed it out and, you know, asked me what was, why I had that sock on. I was like, oh, it, you know, I think I just, 
like threw it on this morning and he was like oh we'll, we'll buy you we'll buy you new ones <laughs> and uh <laughs> isn't that right mom yeah. give me your money mom. well exactly it yeah. was like you could just write a check mom <laughs> <laughs> but it, like he's so confident in like his parents his mom and his mm-hmm. dad that like it's like money isn't obviously like cognition wise it's not a concept he can handle right but it's like no no like well, what do you need we'll we'll get you what you need because mm-hmm. i love you and that's like it doesn't it doesn't matter but even in kind of the other practicals too like every he came down stayed easter night at my uh parents and he just literally like went crazy until he couldn't keep his eyes open and he crashed <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious Is that juice box that's juice box nice a little juice box. Is he a listener? Oh, big time. Yeah. That guy's mm-hmm. Does he have an iPhone? Oh, yeah. Are you ready? Three dogs north are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.